Welcome to the Bar Hacks Podcast. Engaging interviews, plus tips and strategies to navigate your bar or restaurant business towards sustainable success. Now, here's your host, hospitality industry veteran, journalist, and editor, David Klempt. Hey, welcome back to the Bar Hacks Podcast. I hope you're well. I have two very interesting guests. They are not bartenders, like I usually speak with, or uh, bar owners yet. With as busy as they are, I'm sure they might add a bar eventually. (laughs) They're shaking their heads now. Um, (laughs) I'm speaking with Hannah Sharman Cox and Siobhan Payne. They are the co-founders of London Cocktail Week. They are also the co-founders of Hands London Consultancy and the Pinnacle Guide. I'm sure there's more things that you're also doing, but those are three very involved <laughs> things that you're doing. So uh, we'll, we'll go with those three. But how's it going? Hi. Nice yeah. to Hi. <laughs> Thank you for taking your time. Like I said, I can see that you are very busy and you are gearing up for London Cocktail Week. And when this drops, you will be about two days from that starting. So, oh, yes, <laughs> very soon. It's good, actually, because this is year 14 of London Cocktail Week. So I think we're we're in a good place. We we know the pits and the, the peaks and troughs, so we know what to expect. After 14 years, Hopefully. I don't think so. But I still think it's also yeah. very, very involved <laughs> to put this together. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle to put together. So it's it's it needs a very sharp brain in these weeks just to make sure that you're not missing anything, you're not missing bars, cocktail recipes or opportunities or anything like that. So yeah, you need to be on your top game. Um <laughs> across but no, all I think... forms of media as well. So not even just on email, because most of our business is now done on WhatsApp and Instagram messages and Facebook messenger and and so yeah that's that's actually more of the challenge than anything else to keep to keep on top of where someone sent you a message of their very important thing of the 5,000 very important things we're supposed to do that hour. That's a good point there's no like universal way of finding your messages now it's all <laughs> the place and things will change instantly and then they asked <laughs> why you weren't on Instagram and they used to do WhatsApp so yeah it's it's all over the place before we get too far in how can people connect with the two of you and your portfolio of what you've got going on because it's it's a lot um websites come back to us on all email addresses so londoncocktailweek.com is our kind of main it's the, it's the website for the festival and, and any email address that's attributed to that anywhere comes to us. The same with the pinnacleguide.com. Anything on there that anybody's got any feedback or thoughts after we've chit-chatted, we'd, we always love to hear it. So uh, yeah, any hello at always comes to both of us. Awesome. So I want to start with sort of how you got into hospitality. You're on a different side of it, but a very important side of it. So Hannah, from what I understand, you didn't pursue a career as a bartender or a manager or an owner, but you very much stuck with hospitality after working for, I believe it was Milk and Honey in London. So you were with Sasha and that crew. And I was, I was so fortunate. I was 
like original team. So yeah, we just had the most unbelievable wealth of people and talent and brain and experience that was just laid out to all of us, whatever side of the bar any of the team were on. The team was tiny. Um, the, the venue in London, we opened in 2002 and Sasha was with us, which was amazing. Following on from him, we had Dale as our director of drinks for a long time at Match Group. So again, to learn, regardless of whether I was making the drinks, I still was in all those trainings learning how to make classics from King Cocktail. So yeah, it was a it was it was just one of those things that happened. It was a door I knocked on to get a job. I'd really just wanted to work there, knocked on the door, said, please rehire me. And Sharon, who was the manager, the opening manager, was like, who are you? What do you know? And I was like, not, not a lot, I've got to be honest. And she was like, well, you can answer the phone. I was like, okay, yeah, that'll do. And so, yeah, I was, and I was ended up being there for five, six, something like that years. Yeah. So I was there a long time. And how did that turn into, you know, coordinating events and brand <laughs> strategy and brand support? Well, just the thing is, I'm sure anybody that you, and then I'm sure all the people that listen to this love this industry as much as we do. And if you're allowed in, you're not going to go, are you? <laughs> You're going to find a little hole and get yourself neatly in the nook and not be made to go away. So, yeah, it's the best life I could ever imagine. And so, uh, yeah, just, you know, a bit of chutzpah and, and make yourself indispensable, basically. So from, yeah, from Milk and Honey, I went to work for a chap called Simon Difford, who writes very, very excellent cocktail books. Um thought I was going to write cocktail books for him, but he then stopped writing magazines immediately that I went to work for him. I was there for quite a while. And while I was there, that was when, that was when conversations came up of like, why doesn't, why isn't there a, a cocktail week, a cocktail festival in London? Why doesn't that exist with the heritage that's, that's in our immediate cocktail culture. And at the time it was 2010. So kind of well milk and honey was 2002 and as you know in london that kind of really did was right in the middle of the kickstart of cocktails kind of really coming back 97 probably is about the year that you'd put it to if you were if you were going to pinpoint the 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 second coming of age of cocktails i think it would probably be 97 with a couple of those bars that opened then but by 2002 milk and honey was like the apex of all gloriousness and so yeah, we didn't have we didn't have a cocktail festival in in London to invite the world trade to come and have a look. And so with 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 no plan whatsoever and just kind of optimism and <laughs> lots of mates, we ran a cocktail week. And then immediately it was successful and immediately I was like, I can't do this by myself. And that's how Siobhan and I met. And then here we are 14 years later. So Siobhan, I was going to ask you as well, how hospitality figures into your into your life. But it sounds like you met Hannah. But how did you become attracted yeah. to hospitality in the cocktail scene? Well, I, as, as I think maybe the majority of people, I fell into it. Um, so I was in public relations, a very junior member of staff, and we were doing public relations for drinks brands, and we were doing public relations for Rumfest, then 2009 and 10, 
maybe it was just 10 it was the I was doing the PR for Rumfest and I Ian knew Burrell, that I Ian Burrell's, Ian Burrell's yeah. Rum, Rum Festival yeah really good so yeah I hated PR I hated doing it it really wasn't for me it's so hard and I think it's really underrated how difficult that is as a profession but what I did know is that I like the drinks industry and I remember being at Rumfest and just all just the the convivality of all the bartenders together and we were doing death of the cocktail in the coffin and it just I was like this is amazing this is I love this and meeting all the bartenders and I just loved it so that and then not too long after that I I knew that I didn't want to do PR anymore but I, I knew I wanted to do something in that world and that's when I met Hannah and Simon and they just kind of formulated London Cocktail Week so I came on to do some work for Simon and on on his stuff and then also support Hannah with London Cocktail Week and yeah that was in 2010 so since then it's been through quite a lot and now apparently it's 14 years later I'm not quite sure how it got there (laughs) I know still just doing the same job (laughs) yeah so this is the fourth it's been nice because obviously Hannah and I've worked together then since then and we've kind of evolved together and it's meant that our working relationship is just so slick and I think that's why we get so much done because we just get on so well in a work in a work way but also in our in our personal lives as well we're we're best friends outside of work as well and we spend a lot of our personal time together so it's just it's lovely that that relationship's grown slowly in order to build London Cocktail Week into what it is today and I think that is part of why of its success and and the the kind of burgeoning success of our other businesses as well it's a beautiful love story well it does parallel a very finely tuned bar team because when you do get a couple of bartenders who are amazing together it does run smoothly you kind of anticipate what each other are going to do and what will work and what won't work with each other so it's very interesting that that's how that your dynamic works and you're in this industry. So very impressive. And as you mentioned, this is the 14th annual and it starts October 12th, goes to October 22nd. And you sort of mentioned how it came to be. And I guess the motivation, I mean, it's referred to as the original cocktail week, but the motivation was just to shine a light on the, the scene or where did the idea come from? Yeah, 100%. It it was really designed, actually, we really thought it would be a trade event. Having only known Tales of the Cocktail, really, as the only other thing where everybody came together, having only known that, we just assumed that London Cocktail Week would be the same and it would be trade guests, global trade guests, and they'd come in and we'd all hang out and it would be a real hoot. But it very quickly, because we do have a PR background and because we did sell the press release into a couple of we you know our local London newspapers who ran it all the tickets for year one and year two just went to completely and I don't mean this with no disrespect normal people inverted commas normal people um not saying that we're not normal but you know the, the, the normal people and they all these you know, people, <laughs> we are saying we're also not normal <laughs> <laughs> they just they loved the idea of it and Everything about it was about discovery. It's about, and this is still the case now, 14 years later, we haven't really, we've changed lots of things about the business, but the one thing we never have is the cocktail tours, which is we 
truly, Siobhan and I cherry pick our favourite bars in London that we know that if you came to London and said, where should I go? We could set, we could send you to any of them and we absolutely know you'd have a brilliant time. And that was 50 in year one and it's at times been 350 and we've made a real concerted effort this year to get that down a bit and get it down to we've this year it's just 200 bars just 200 bars it's I was gonna say big, just 200 yeah, it's still we see other people's cocktail weeks and they're like yeah I've got, we've got 25 bars and I'm like oh you're so lucky um but yeah so just 200 bars but that kind of to 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 be able to say with our hand on our heart, this is we'd send you here ourselves. This is our personal recommendation. Then you can't get anything more honest than that. And then when the idea is that you wear a wristband, you flash a wristband in the bar. The bartender will make you the signature drink. The onus of of, of that choice stays with the bar. Of course, it's not for us to dictate who they work with, what they serve. That's not. It's it's designed to be a platform for a bar to showcase the very best of what they do. But that one, and they, those drinks are now eight pounds. When we first started, they were four, four pounds. Can you bear it? But anyway, inflation. <laughs> um, so just, um, just for a bit of, con just for a bit of context there on the eight pounds in case, in case someone's not been to London, cocktails in London can range anywhere from about 12 pounds to 26 pounds. And actually, the majority of the bars we work with are on the higher end of that, so 18 to 24 pounds. So it's a real significant discount to to get down to that eight pounds. However, the point isn't the discount. The point is the encouragement of exploration and trial. So actually, what not, we're not saying to people, yeah, cheap cocktails, go, go, go. We're saying, look, we're taking that price risk away from you so that you can go in to a bar that you don't know and try a liquid that you don't know if you're going to like. And if you don't like it, it's eight pounds. It's not the end of the world. But if you do like it, you might be a new fan for life, you know. So it's encouraging people to try things that they might not be confident to try at any other time. And, and when I say that, I mean, try a new bar or try a new liquid. It, it kind of ticks both boxes. It's really interesting telling that story because obviously we've been telling that story for 14 years. And the example that we used to use in 2010, 2011 was, you know, a lot of people don't like gin, but actually what they don't like is the tonic. And if you give them a gin in a, in a Collins, they actually really like gin. Now, in London, basically everyone likes gin that drinks. <laughs> and so it just feels like you see the, the, the growth of the industry. Now we're using the example of Mezcal. So we're saying... And no, not even tequila. We're a step ahead of that already yeah. in London now. It's like, oh, you don't, you don't think you like mezcal, but you do like tequila, and you do like, you do like a peated whiskey. So let's let's yeah. see. You know, it's just about trial, and we work really hard at the language that we use and the way that we communicate to make sure that it's not price forward, discount heavy. Like it, that's just not it's not what we're about, and and it's not what we're about in the rest of our lives and and that has to be if we're to be authentic it has to be that for all of it so I think cocktail week's kind of grown up with us there's definitely been times where it's been a bit more wild than it currently is but you know we're women of a certain age and we don't want to be out past a certain hour <laughs> <laughs> so you sort of spoke about the experience as far as what people can expect when they go in and they are probably going to try a super cool signature cocktail but 
I assume there are going to be thousands of people. And what else can they expect in terms of the experience? And those master classes, and I think I saw like the best seat of the bar and all these cool things. I think there's a yeah. Connex tour about like how they do their setup, which I would absolutely die to see that. So what else can they? Yeah. Oh my God, we've had so many applications for that one. So <laughs> yeah. So alongside the, the, we say the curated cocktail tours are the backbone of the festival, but alongside of that, we have a full schedule of events. We've got an event schedule that's suitable for consumers and an event schedule that's suitable for trade. So that's everything ranging from masterclasses and tastings, dinners. We've got some parties and pop-ups, that sort of thing. There's a little bit of framework that we've added around it, especially this year, which we're kind of really proud of, actually. So for consumers, obviously there's certain bars that aren't able to facilitate an eight-pound cocktail in their venues, tiny hotel bars that you know, they just simply can't do it. So we've created something called the Connoisseurs Collection, which is a really high-end collection of luxury events where these bars can still be involved in the festival in an official way and offer something really luxurious. They're consumer-led, but real cocktail aficionado consumers. So that's something that we're we're pretty excited about for the consumer side. And then the, and on the bar say, table, sorry, Shiv, before you before you go on, just to say that's not just about like luxurious price point. Some of them are not very expensive. Then it's more about the exclusivity. But we really wanted where we're, we're so set on us on our structure. It's like you buy the wristband, eight pound drinks, blah blah blah. But with this, we just wanted to take all the rules out, except that you had to be invited to be part of it. And probably next year, there might be 20 venues doing it or or whatever, whatever. This year, we just, as year one, as a tester, we wanted to keep that really small. But we just felt like consumers, and certainly consumers in London, are so well educated. They truly are. And if we think they're not, it, with us within the trade, we're wrong. They are, you know, some of these people, they are as passionate about the hospitality industry as hospitality professionals. And so we wanted to make sure that our festival was still relevant for those people who have actually been coming since 2010. We know them personally when we see them in the bars. They send us an update every year of the venues they visited and what they liked and what they didn't. Like these people, oh yeah, these people love our industry as much as we do. So we really wanted to make sure regardless of the price point, actually, that there was stuff for them still within the programme. There's some really nice, there's some really nice things in that programme. Well, and it shows that London Cocktail Week has had the intended effect. If you've known people who came for the first one and they're sticking with you and they're hitting all these amazing bars and they're sticking with those bars and finding new ones, that's exactly what the festival should do on the consumer side. So that's, that's a huge win. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really, it's a really Thank nice you. feeling. Yeah, do people cool. travel from outside of London? I assume they do, but I mean, are they coming yeah, from all yeah. over the place for this now? Yeah, it's really, it's great. People take holidays to come and do it. So no, normal people again. We had, a, we had a group last year. Actually, I spoke to her on Instagram today. She came, they, we bumped into them last year at like a several things. And we were like, you guys again. And they're like, oh yeah, we came from Australia. We love London Cocktail Week. We're like, Matt, you came on your <laughs> vacation for London cocktail week they're like yes it's the best we were like oh my god that's so nice anyway we still still follow them on instagram and they keep us up to date of their uh cocktail escapades i feel like i need yeah, to uh, nice. i need to do that i feel like next year this is my 
my birthday month. So I think it's a perfect time to, oh, to you should for a London cocktail. It's the perfect way to celebrate your birthday month. <laughs> but yeah, um, and then but actually, that's it. That's quite, yeah, yeah. That's quite. It's quite a good segue because we're really proud of our trade program this year. Hannah and I have done quite a lot of travel over the last two years since the end of of the lockdown time um, with our other business, which we're probably going to talk about a bit later. But one of the things that's been really great about that is that we've met loads of bartenders from other countries. And so many of them say, yeah, we're coming to, you know, we're sat in Mexico City and the bar team, they're like, yeah, we're coming to London for, Mex- for London Cocktail Week, you know, all the way from Mexico. And it really made us think like, okay, these people are flying all the way from Mexico to come to London Cocktail Week to see London's bar industry. We were like, what are we doing for those people to make that the best possible experience they can have? There's loads and loads of takeovers that happen as part of the festival. And it's so nice. We love all that. We love that co- that community where bar teams work together to create a night for people. However, it's quite it's quite an easy solution for, for activation and it doesn't necessarily create a learning opportunity. Equally, we didn't want to create learning opportunities within classrooms because that's not how a lot of our brains work in this industry, which is something that we all need to, you know, admit. So what we came up with was the Bartender Knowledge Exchange Programme. And that is where we've, again, invited a select number of bars to kind of open their doors a little bit and let us behind the scenes. It's not really been done before as a programme. It's obviously individually, you know, you have bar managers go and do presentations and that sort of thing. But actually, we wanted this to be a little bit more hands on. So we've got a few bits where you mentioned the Connaught has opened their doors. It's an application system. And like I said, we've had so many applications. But the team are going to be showing their mise en place before service. So you can actually go behind the scenes, see the setup, see what they do, like see the the, the processes and the rituals that, that happens before service. We've got a few of those, actually. We've got, you know, one-on-one ice carving within a bar. We've got, There's so much really, really great stuff. And we think that it's going to be a really nice way of building community to and, and kind of letting people learn by by looking at what these world leading bars are doing and maybe bringing that back to their to their own towns. And the, uh, the part of that have, is. Sorry, I was putting in. How rude. What I was going to say is just sometimes when you have to do that in a like in an environment where the team goes somewhere else, they have to bring all their kit and you can't bring all your kit. And that's kind of. It's cool, of course, if that's if that's the only way you're going to see it. But we've got outstanding venues in London who are with no space, <laughs> or lots of them no budget. Lots of them, lot, you know, if you're in a hotel, it's different different kettle of fish. But lots of them are, you know, they're they're working with really basic stuff and creating world leading programs, sports programs. And we just felt like rather than t- ship it all out and put it on a taste, put it on a table in a room bring the people in like it just feels like yeah we just we got really excited about it didn't we when we when we yeah it's really fun put a name um, to it one part of that and you mentioned that as well is um called the seat in the bar which again we feel pretty excited about it's a really simple concept but essentially again we've just asked a few bars to do this but have an opportunity for bartenders to book 
the seat at the bar where you because you all know there's a there's a seat at the bar that's the best place to sit and interact but you kind of have to be a certain sort of person to go sit in that seat and then actually interact quite quickly you also have to have the same language as as, as the person behind the bar what we're creating is a little bit of structure where someone can actually book that seat at the bar they have to be a working bartender but it means that when they book it, and often these are in bars where you can't make reservations, so it's it's really a special opportunity. The bartender can make the reservation for the seat at the bar, and then that full bar team will know that they're a working bartender. So even if there's a little bit, little bit of a language barrier, they can still interact, taste this, taste this. The person who's attending still has to pay their bill. It's not a free, it's not a free night. It's not a freebie. But it's just again, it's about breaking down barriers creating opportunities for community connection um, and interaction, which we think, again, it's like just just ways of, of learning and and improving the whole industry. It's very thoughtful, everything you're you're talking about. And I, I assume that you presented it to some of your favorite bars or all the bars that said, hey, we want to do this. Who wants to take it? And I think it's it's almost insulting to say it's such a simple solution, but what you're doing is so simple on the surface but so valuable and i'm surprised other weeks or other organizations haven't thought to do that oh they will now let's start the clock <laughs> we created the first we london cocktail week had the first cocktail village so that was our and you know it's not again it's not rocket science but the word even the words cocktail village that that was our concept and now obviously Lots of weeks have cocktail village, so it's and we, you know, it's it's flattery. So yeah, we were saying, I wonder, I wonder, will it be next year? And that, do you know what? Great, because we really like our ideas. We're not going to do it in another city, so so go for it. Because actually, we think that our ideas are so valuable. They're growing our trade and they're growing opportunities for, for meeting. Like yes, take them. They're really good ideas. Make them happen where you are, because we're not going to do that. So it's. It's all it's all good. Did it take a lot of effort to get the conduct to be like, yeah, you can come in and see what we do, or was it was it they like, yeah, let's, let's do this right no. away? Presented it. No, because do you know what? But like, we're we're really good friends with Ago and and the team, the whole team actually, Georgia and Mara as well. They're really proud of what they do, and actually, probably, you know, they want to bring up the younger generation. That Ago, it, yeah came from somewhere and he was trained by amazing people and he wants to pass his knowledge on so uh, no what we said we want to do this and we want we want the opportunity for people to learn from you we and he was like i love it yes 100 percent. that's awesome i was just i was just curious and i almost hate to ask this because he has so much going on but do you each have a particular experience you're most excited to present to the participants or is it just you love the whole thing. We love it so much. Um, we no, we do. Is we've one thing we have been roped into. This is terrible, but we're quite looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> we, a friend of ours who runs a very very beautiful bar in Mayfair phoned us up and said, "Do you want to do a guest shift?" And we were like, "Now then, we can make martinis and pour tequila." And she was like, I love both those things. And so Siobhan and I will be running our own guest shift, I presume with quite significant support <laughs> from the team. 
if people think they're going to get a drink that isn't a shot of tequila or maybe a martini slowly they're in, it's a pity and it's on a friday I'm night i'm i'm not going to make martinis there's no chance there's no <laughs> chance on it's friday night service there's no chance of doing that i'm going to pour shots of tequila, tequila belts. and glasses yeah glasses <laughs> of champagne i'll be i'll go back to my shot girl days it's going to be and our um our very 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 dear friend jake berger um who's the master distiller of portobello red gin is going to be the dj which means he'll just play miley cyrus all night so you know fine that's that's one of the things we're looking forward to (laughs) on the friday (laughs) hi there just a quick message before we get you back to this episode If you're looking to take your bar, restaurant, or hospitality business to the next level, I mean to profits of 12 to 15% or more, it's time to take action. Let's start creating your roadmap to success with our proprietary strategies, tools, resources that will inspire your team, activate your potential, and lead your hospitality brand to margins you never thought possible. Visit krghospitality.com right after this episode for more information. Now, back to the Bar Hacks podcast. I think people listening now can understand the, the value in participating. So I'm not going to even ask. I think it's very clear what, what they how they benefit. Um, but if a bar isn't participating this year and they hear this or they come check out what's going on this year in London and they're like, I want to get my bar into this, how can they start preparing themselves for what they're even going to be getting into if they get selected? Well, it's just get in touch with just, we ask people just to get in touch. There's no formal um, application process. People come, people come to us. We do get hundreds of emails, which is lovely from venues that like to take part. And we do a little bit of scoping out and we visit them or ask around if we've not visited them or can't visit them ourselves. But yeah, it's just, to be honest, anybody that does good work, there's space for you in the programme. Like there's, it's, it truly is. We What we've done this year is we've cut, we've cut like any bar where cocktails aren't their primary focus. That was a way to get the numbers down. And to be clear, like the only reason over the two years of the pandemic, we ran a live event both years and we extended to a month both years of of the pandemic it worked out that our government's rules allowed us to do that legally and actually safely we were a real godsend to so many venues it's when the numbers started to creep up because it's really difficult to say to people who are saying I have I need to take money I need to put money in my till please put me on the list who are we to say nah not not this year my love it's not for you it wasn't the right time and to be honest even though last year was technically uh, a normal inverted commas year I it didn't feel like it. it it really didn't it was a lot of and it's still not great economy wise here in London but there was a lot of scrabbling about last year and again it was it, it was the thing to do was just to kind of give people a chance and and give it a go by closing the list down taking taking all the like we have quite a lot of activity bars here so you can play crazy golf and drink cocktails or you can do temp and bowling and drink cocktails karaoke and cocktails I can go on I can go on and they're great venues and there's space for them within London Cocktail Week but there's not space within being one of our 200 bars because what we really had the opportunity to do was tighten that up and make that list to be really valuable for the venues so one of the things that we actually we've not talked about it but one of the things that we felt very very strongly about and we have been indulged to continue down this route is that we wanted Cocktail Week to 
give back more and more to the hospitality industry like what are our opportunities over and above running the festival over and above doing what we do how can we be even more beneficial and a lot of that came to commercial input back into bars so the the drinks themselves all that money stays with the venues that sell them and we work it out every year it's about half a million quid goes through tills just through those wristband serves what we've done this year is we've now all the venues that take part we give them the wristbands that are how you consumers get involved with the festival and they can sell them themselves and keep 100% of that profit too so that half a million quid will most likely be a million quid this year quite easily and up and up and with that kind of revenue going back into our immediate nighttime economy we just really felt like it was a real moment for us because we've been pushing and pushing and pushing and doing this work and we know why we're doing it but it hasn't had a kind of it hasn't had a formal outcome we're just doing good work because we care so to actually have like a bit of a structure around it that says this is this is giving back to our industry thank you to the industry for doing it but this is giving back so so then to, to be a bar on that list then suddenly is becoming more and more valuable because it's commercially very beneficial we have you know we hope to be part of it so there's yes if you want to be just send us an email uh, in about june not now <laughs> no now no it's it's there's it's a there's a window of the perfect time to send an email to us to ask to be on the list and it's around june and july okay it is not in october when the festival is happening which we get quite a lot of those we they go in a special folder <laughs> <laughs> i was going to ask if you have any time to relax when this is over or if it's you have to start going <laughs> right away now david relax now <laughs> yeah do you know what um this year no <laughs> because um we have another project that we're working on called the pinnacle guide and we are going live with applications for that in november and so we are going to be working pretty hard straight after the festival. However, we do, however busy we are, we do try and have a good balance because actually a lot of what we do is very brain focused. And so we need to be not very, very tired. And so it's very important, you know, and like today it's the run up to London Cocktail Week. We both worked out this morning, both had a leisurely breakfast, both started leisure. You know, it's it's very important that we're not working like lunatics because actually the outcome won't be good. So that is the difficult place to get to. And it has taken a number of years and there have been years where that has not been the case. That has shown in our, in yes. probably in our faces <laughs> at the time. <laughs> Um, our general health it's definitely shown and our general health but we you know we really made a commitment that especially this year actually we were like look priority is us is our brains and keeping that creativity and keeping pushing forward and if we're knackered that won't be the case so we've and also enjoy this year it. I don't necessarily yeah like have a nice time like this what a lovely life like lovely life. So and, and so this year I don't feel I actually don't feel the need to necessarily take a break straight after. Sometimes we're like, we really need a week off now. But actually, I feel quite excited to to crack on with our other projects afterwards, which is quite a nice feeling. 
Well, speaking of the other project, it's a great segue. So thank you for handing me that one. But uh, <laughs> it's very commendable. I mean, I love the revenue that you're helping generate and that you're not taking it. I mean, the wristbands are theirs. You're also working on the Pinnacle Guy, which is also going to be hugely beneficial. So if you want to explain what that is to our listeners, that'd be awesome. We would love to. We don't it, It's gone on the... Uh... It's the thing we've not been asked about for ages. So it's always a real pleasure. The Pinnacle Guide, the quickest, the quickest elevator pitch is it's it's designed to be the equivalent to Michelin stars. So Pinnacle Guide will award one, two, or three pins to any venue that chooses to apply anywhere in the world. That's kind of where the similarity to Michelin ends, because on the whole, number one, they're a business built over a hundred years ago and and are now having to move into modern life, which they're doing excellently, but we don't have that. We can start from scratch. So we felt very clearly, and I hope it's come across that we care enormously about the hospitality industry. And so what was really, really, really important to us, and just to say we have a business partner on Pinnacle, it's it's not just the two of us. We are There is one more of us lunatics on this one. Our business partner, Dan Dove, who also owns Global Bartending, if you've heard of that, which is the talent agency for, for bartenders, again, across the world. And he's really, really well-placed to be an enormously integral part of, of Pinnacle Guide. So that is relaxing in that sense, that there is there is another brain on this one. But the, the point of what we're trying to do is recognise good work, good operators, good hospitality, of course, good drinks. That kind of goes without saying, you know, nobody wants a nasty drink, but... But bars are so much more than that. And actually, every which way we looked at it, there, there isn't a space that we have currently that, that actively rewards some of the good work that perhaps a consumer doesn't see. So a consumer will come into a bar and be like, wow, that was lovely. But the reason why it's lovely is because the staff are really well looked after and they're happy to be at work and their working conditions are comfortable and their uniform doesn't make them feel stupid. And, 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 and we go on and we go on and we go on. And so we've taken, we announced we would do it just about 18 months ago. We announced only to the trade that we would undertake this insane task. It's it's bananas. When we, we've been talking about it, Siobhan and I, for seven years, probably. We've had the brand name for five, probably. We've been, we, we didn't tell a soul. We haven't told the soul the brand name. We had code names for the brand name, even between ourselves. We didn't call it the Pinnacle Guide, even when we were talking about it, just the two of us. We've had yeah, secret language on this because we were just so worried that somebody else would do it first and then might not do it to the standard that we want it to be done. And as I say, what I hope is clear is that our standard has nothing to do with ego and only to do with promotion and celebration of our wonderful industry that we're so privileged to be part of. So we spent two years open consultancy, open house for anyone in the on-trade who had an opinion on what we were doing. We ran every two weeks, we ran a round table on Zoom, which anybody could could listen in on, um, a panel of experts, the three of us, open invitation to anyone to sit in. They're all actually still available to watch back if somebody wants to open a Michelin star grade bar anywhere in the world. There's 13 hours on the pinnacleguide.com website of how-to tips from the world's leading luminaries. 
but we just we just the the job is bigger than three people and the opinion is that you know to, to formulate a set of parameters that is global excellence is bigger than three people so we've taken these two years and we've we've not given ourselves grief over it actually that it you know it would have been lovely if we'd have done it six months later one year later whatever and it hasn't it's been it will have been nearly two years but those two years have been so valuable because we've not rushed because we don't have it's a self-funded passion project the greatest of all businesses and we've just allowed ourselves the space that when something's been difficult we've given our space ourselves time to kind of pick it apart a bit, find another expert. We met a brilliant woman the other day. We, we're really, you know, we don't run venues, right? As you, as you said, we, we're not bar operators. We've, you know, been in enough, but that's not our day-to-day -day job. So we need support on that. So find somebody, find somebody who knows more about sustainability than anybody else. Find the find the woman that does that bit of that job. Let's go and meet her, take her for lunch, talk, talk her ear off, poor woman. So it just, you know, it's it's been this, glorious unfolding and as Shiv says we are one month away from opening submissions so the crux of it is if you want to win one or you want to be awarded you have to submit and that's the biggest difference to everything else available there's no limit on the number that we'll, we will award if you're good you'll get one there's no ranking people against each other there's no uh, there is a hierarchy one two three but if you once you've had your one and you think you're a two reapply come back it's very clear what the framework is. It's very clear how you move up the ranks if you want to. If you don't want that one, application process, okay. just to just to cut in, that application process is going to be quite in depth because, like Hannah said, we are rewarding things that happen behind the scenes, such as the way that they treat their staff, the way that they treat the environment, their operations, that sort of thing. So that application will be quite in depth. We'll review that application once we deem a bar to be at the appropriate level that's when the in-person review will happen and that will be anonymous so that we use local anonymous reviewers to go in and assess the things that you can't assess on a form so you know that that's when we'll get into the drinks and the atmosphere and the hospitality and all that sort of um touchy feeling stuff but yeah essentially that application process is designed to be quite hard because we really want to just reward excellence and and reward bars that really want to get it but what's quite key is that it means that we've got the opportunity to reward bars that aren't necessarily on the known circuit of bars, um, which is how other award systems work. We'll, we'll be able to look at bars that are not in capital cities, that are maybe cities that we've never even heard of. And in that way, it's designed to sit really nicely alongside the existing award bodies, which we think are brilliant. You know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be wanting to start a recognition system if we didn't think that they were brilliant that recognition systems are brilliant. It's a brilliant thing for people to work towards. But actually the way that ours will work is that it will sit beautifully alongside these other systems that are rankings, like Bitty Best, like Tales of the Cocktail Spirited Awards. And we're really, we're in close communication with both of those bodies who are really supportive of what we're doing and we're so supportive of what they're doing. And we all know that as an ecosystem, like what we're adding to the mix is just going to be elevating it and benefiting their list as well because they're they're going to be finding bars you know if we're if we're able to award a pin in a bar in a city that we've never been to or no you know no one's necessarily heard of in the industry then they might be recognized in those lists as well and diversify those lists too i love it i'm looking forward to the to the first awards going out i think it's going to be 
huge for the industry. And like you said, it's clear that you love this industry, but it's also clear that you're qualified to develop this program and to actually have it long-term sitting next, like you said, Michelin and the other awards. So I'm looking forward to it. When I saw it, I was like, oh, this is going to be super cool because for years I've been like, why isn't Michelin giving bars or like any of their stars? I don't get this. And because they're not qualified really to me, they know they know restaurants, but they don't really know bars. It doesn't seem like. So I, I love it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That's really kind. Thank you. It means a lot. It's, and um... then because you two are not, content to be busy enough <laughs> <laughs> you have also launched hands which i am going to assume stands for hannah and siobhan so that's that's cool it's you're one of the only people to get that most people to figure out the acronym i was like what is this oh what motivated hands and this is kind of a, a strange question i guess but there are people who don't know but when it comes to brand strategy what does that mean to you for bars and, and spirits? Because I think a lot of people think, I know brand strategy is, I have to be on social media. And that's about as far as the thought goes. Yeah, so we do not We do predominantly um, spirit brand or, or liquid um, consultancy, really. And where we come in, we're super niche. Like, there's, we, you can't be everything for everybody, right? But our bit and our, our thing is that, we straddle trade and consumer because we see we have thousands and thousands, 20,000 guests, 25 some years, thousand guests to cocktail week. We see where they're going, what they're buying, what they're drinking, what what tickets sell quickly when a brand puts an event live. You know, it's it's really privileged information to know. And and fine, to be clear, it that is London based. Our, so our consumer knowledge is predominantly London UK based. But actually, there's there's not very many people that that sit on both sides of that. And so yeah, that's kind of where our little niche of the consulting world comes in. And we hope we're really useful for those people when we're when we're relevant. We don't do tons of work with hands, we probably should do much more. Our accountant would probably be pleased if we did. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we quite like to, to pick and choose a little bit with that one and pick projects that we think are really interesting and that we're going to add value to. So we do we do a little bit with brand new brands and helping them understand the on-trade and, and how they can connect. And then obviously there's we quite like a little global strategy project to keep us keep us busy. So yeah, it's, it's nice. It's just, again, it's just another nice way to keep our brains going and active and and doing something a little bit different so you definitely have a unique view into the london cocktail scene and so i wanted to ask if there are any trends that you've been noticing as far as how guests are engaging with bars or the the cocktails you're seeing that go across the bar most often or the spirit or spirits that are really grabbing hold in london right now London's busy at the moment. It's busy to be out. It's hard to get tables. Yeah, good bars are, are full, which is great. It definitely feels like, and I think I touched on this earlier, it feels like people are a little bit better informed than they've been before. Drinks that are going out are a bit stronger, a bit shorter, a bit clearer. There's lots, martinis are going out a lot. And, and we always 
it's our drink of choice and always has been. And then suddenly you see someone else ordering them and you think, really? You? Really? Okay, cool. That it's, it's, yeah, that's, that's a change actually in the topic. As, you know, part, as, you know. as part of that, I've, I've seen a lot of the little, we've both seen a lot of the, the mini surfs of, of the strong drinks. And I think that's bringing a lot more people in. So like a flight of three mini martinis or even just like a little, a little one. Again, it's kind of similar to the concept of cocktail week. It's like, try it a little bit. You might like it. It's also a little bit more manageable because a lot of people shouldn't drink a martini. It's too much. So it's yeah. nice to have that option where they can still enjoy that those flavours and that taste and the punch, but without drinking a full-size drink, which, like I said, it's probably too much for quite a lot of people. Yeah, drinks, um, drinks generally are smaller, aren't they? Apart from the Duke's martini, yeah. which is like a swimming pool, it's huge and you I mean we love it we love them we love Alessandro it's such a glorious place to spend the evening but they're they're too they're too much really it's it's so it's a it's a big drink yeah we yeah we welcome a smaller serve yes for sure yeah that has not taken hold in America from what I've seen particularly not in Las Vegas that has not taken hold there is <laughs> a few years ago tales did a, a pop-up and it was mini martinis. I cannot remember which bar it was. It might have been maybe Sammy that was serving it. And the trade people thought it was cool. Like, yeah, like little miniature martinis. They were still, you know, great flavor, great builds. And I never saw that again. After we left Tales of the Cocktail, I didn't see anybody else oh, doing shame. it. But oh, no, that's big here. And lots yeah. and our, the palettes got the palettes continuing to get more bitter here. So we've yeah we're we're big on amaros. There's lots of sherry in drinks. There's lots of there's loads of clarified tomato juice at the moment for some reason. Tons of that. Maybe it's autumn. Maybe we're going into that season, so people are warmer. Maybe, but yeah, there's a lot of there's a uh, that whole amaro piece is is yeah the palette's changing from aperol spritz kind of all those years ago. And it's sort of slowly, slowly, slowly gone down the line over the years. And now that's probably too sweet for most people here. And we're on to barrel-aged Mezcal Negronis now. <laughs> I feel like aperitivo culture is kind of getting more popular in America. And that's driving some of our drive towards bitterness. Is that we're like, oh, this is really cool. It makes me kind of triggers our response that we want to eat something. So I think that's a, it's a smart move. But yeah, the a lot of Maros. And I talked to Cole Mescaleria a couple oh, weeks yeah. ago. And, oh, yeah. And they were like, yeah, mezcal is getting huge in London, like almost all yeah. agave. I think he said so tall. Agave. Yeah. Agave yeah. generally is, and I know we're a little bit behind the states on this, but agave generally is like becoming quite mass consumer, which is, ex is exciting. You know, yeah. again, quote unquote, and the quote unquote is really important. Normal people ordering agave spirits and, and, tequila menus in the pub you know yeah. Col yeah. is, is, is part of London Cocktail Week um, on the curated cocktail tours awesome and um, they're one of our really popular venues because people love the agave and I mean it's a beautiful beautiful bar but um, yeah agave spirits are taking hold and we are delighted because we love agave and sometimes we get to go to Mexico and that's nice sometimes as well. we do yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it sounds like I already know the answer to this question, but I'm still going to ask you both anyway. So London Cocktail Week starts coming to an end. You get to relax, I'm hoping. What is the last drink you're going to order? I'm guessing it's going to be a martini, but what would you like to unwind with? Can I can I order my Holy Trinity, which is uh, martini, and uh, we can discuss the exact martini, a glass of champagne, and a little shot of tequila. I love that. With a sparkling water chaser. <laughs> with a big glass of sparkling water. Oh, what the dream! That's the dream right there. Four greatest liquids. That's- I like that. Right. Coffee in, and you're done. Five perfect liquids. <laughs> yeah. Hannah, do you have your favorite? Is it the martini? You're gonna go with her. Why oh, do the have same thing? Do right. you know what? We do try because we we always we actually do always drink out together. We've got one other friend, but for the most part. But it's so much nicer to say to somebody, please just make two. So we, you know, if some if you can't. So yeah, with martinis, we do try and order the same drink. So I'm generally, and some I, I sometimes go a bit off piece, but generally we'll have a wettish vodka martini with a twist. All right, no, I, I get that. I was, out, that. I was out last night mm-hmm. and I told my friend I was switching, and I'm like, I'm going to go the smoked uh, old fashions, and he's like, Yep. Yeah. So our server's like, Oh, great! I'm just going to do two of everything one of you orders, and it's like, Yeah, just just do that. It's it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of, when, when you know they're looking at you as well and they're like, you know, you haven't, they're checking, you know, people are kind to us, right? They want to check we've had a nice time and they don't want us to wait too long and all that nice stuff, but just make two, it's fine. Whatever it is, it'll be delicious. So before we go, do you want to run down all of your social media accounts, even maybe just Instagram, how people can connect with the two of you yeah, and yeah. each business? At London Cocktail Week Official is the, is the, London Cocktail Week at the Pinnacle Guide is the Pinnacle Guide. We do have at Hands London. I have to say we're not very good at that one. It's 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 an Instagram account too far. However, <laughs> we do keep an eye on it. Maybe. And then we've got our we've sort of and then we've got our own personal Instagrams. We're very active on Instagram Messenger on those personal accounts. But as you will see, if you go onto those accounts, we don't post terribly often. And we've doing much better than you me, can actually. you can collab. So actually, only one of us has to do it. Yeah. So then, yeah. and then we collab it. So they're not. So say so, so, no, they're not. You might want to give us a follow, but you're not going to be overwhelmed by content from <laughs> us on those accounts. So at London Siobhan and at H Sharman Cox are our personal Instagrams. And yeah, send us a message. We we also check our requests folders. So we always like to connect to people, especially if anyone's actually if anyone's coming into town for London Cocktail Week, like please do send us like we're we're really nice to more people. So just send us a message. If we can meet you for a drink, that's so nice. If not, we'll be able to tell you what's cool and what's fun. So please, if you're coming into London, do send us a message and we we'd love to connect. It was great speaking with both of you. I appreciate you taking the time because you are obviously very busy and very excited to find two people who are not behind the bar, but are sort of behind the bars and you're very passionate and I love that. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks, David. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to the Bar Hacks podcast produced by KRG Hospitality and hosted by me, David Clement. If you like what you're hearing, please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Follow us on Twitter at Ask Bar Hacks and Instagram at Bar Hacks. Talk to you soon.